too. Okay, I was going to say how I just made note of some other um, episodes. Yeah, if you can find us an archive that we can do after we talk about I Care, I Care for a bit. Yeah, so would we, Alvin, so would we. Hi, I'm Paul from Global Voice Network, sitting in for Roger Sales on the Radio Ranch. Uh, he has not connected to us yet, so we're hopefully going to be um, catching up with him in uh, just a few minutes. I'll be keeping an eye on the Zoom connection in case he shows up. Uh, we're talking about the Itera Care want this morning. We're also uh, missing John Casera, who normally comes in to talk to us about the Itera want. And I think we're going to do something a little bit different today. Normally, John Casera, he comes in with a bunch of testimonials that were submitted to the Frequency One testimonial group. Well, that's always a great show, and it's always engaging and always fun and very informative. Well, this morning, seeing as we don't have anything prepared and we don't actually have an archive uh, queued at the moment, uh, that'll take me a couple of minutes to do that, I want to turn the first part of this program into an extension of the Radio Ranch as it normally functions, and that is with participation from the people that have joined us in free conference call and the people that have joined us in uh, Jitsi in the video meeting platform. Uh, <clears throat> let's open it up to testimonials from our own group a lot of which have been shared before. Um, I can share one. Um, my cat actually is on day eight, I believe. Uh, it was, see, we had this morning ritual where I would get out of bed, I'd go to the restroom, and the cat would be complaining she wanted food, and as soon as I'd give her food, she would jump up on the bed, which is normally where she would lay when I would want her. So she would jump up on the bed and immediately roll over on her side with her tummy facing toward me. So um, if I didn't grab the wand, she would reach her head over to the wand that is normally sitting on the bed, and she would just give the cord, the power cord, a little love, and then she'd actually uh, rub her cheek on the wand itself. And so I'd grab the wand, I'd turn it on, and then start wanding her. Uh, of course, I use low from about a foot away. And the first thing she would do is she would roll over on her back and just <laughs> kind of let her, let her legs and arms and legs just splay. Do, do cats actually have arms? No, they're just four-legged. Okay, she would let her legs splay out and just lay there. <laughs> I'd wander Tommy, and then she'd roll over on, on one side, and then I'd want that side, and 
then she'd roll over on the other side, and I want that side. Well, it's gotten to the point where I actually have a wand sitting at my desk. It's it's hanging from my microphone stand, and it's pointing down. And I would just turn it on, and she can be in the other room. She'll hear the wand come on, and she'll come trotting in here, and she'll curl up on the floor underneath the wand, and she'll just go to sleep there. And if I turn the wand off, she gets up and goes over to the recliner where she normally sleeps, and she just sunks out for a few hours. I definitely think she digs it. I definitely do. Even though she's healthy, she's a little overweight. She doesn't have, as far as I know, any health issues of any kind. There's real no reason to medicinally use the wand on her. But she just digs it. So... Uh, that's fun. Uh, is there anybody else that's uh, with us today that actually has um, a testimonial, first-hand experience with a success related to the wand? And if, if we don't have one, I'm going to be in serious trouble here because I have nothing prepared. <laughs> well, I guess I have one even though I told it in the after hours. Oh, back about the middle of November, I've had, I have breathing trouble, COPD, and back in November, I had the worst low oxygen level I've ever seen, and I came home from a little gathering we were having and wanded my chest, and I could watch my oxygen level rise back up into the mid-90s and that was the first of two times that I had my oxygen level drop scary low into the 80s and I get my wand out and start wanding myself and it brings my oxygen level up almost immediately. I'm amazed. Okay, so it brings it up faster than you would expect it to normally rebound just because you went from walking and moving around and being active to sitting down and in a rest position. Correct. But it still goes it still goes up faster than you would otherwise expect it to rebound. Right. Because normally I would have to sit there and concentrate on breathing through in through my nose and exhaling doing a breathing exercise and that won't even help these two times in November I mean I didn't do it for very long before I grabbed my wand that was just a couple feet from me and turned it on and said let's try it right well you've also had uh, uh, other things going on where the wand is actually um actually caused you a little bit of a little bit more work you've been wanting your dog and and her hair has been kind of like going crazy it has <laughs> i mean she's the hairiest golden retriever i've ever owned out of five but since a year ago august that i've been wanting both of us her hair has got thicker and longer and she's still shedding since spring kind of been started at her butt now it's at her front shoulders and in her mane it's just crazy well eventually one would think that she's going to stop shedding because it's winter time now I'm but hoping. God help you in the spring dude 
I'm hoping it ain't going to be a continuous thing through spring and then just start over again. Mm, yeah, that would not be good. But you have a healthy puppy. She's happy. Her hair is soft, and she's got a, a solid coat to protect her from the Michigan winter weather. So it's all good. Matt wants to get it all up. Huh? Matt wants to get it all up. Do we have somebody unmuted that wants to make a comment? Who's Matt? <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Rich. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Any, uh, uh, any other experiences that you've had with other people that have used your wand? Yes, I did. I have a holistic doctor, and I give her my spare wand for a month. And she wanted her grandmother, and it took her grandmother's joint pain away. Her grandmother was very impressed with it. She hasn't bought one yet, but she's on a fixed income and probably can't really afford it at the moment. But she said her grandma loved it. Well, the, this is a holistic doctor, and... You know, if she was to use uh, use your spare wand for a little while and actually treat patients, she could actually sell a couple of them, and then you could uh, uh, scoot one to her grandmother as the freebie because that's one of the benefits of being a uh, a wand representative. Yeah, I I was going to talk to her about it the next time I go see her in the middle of December, so. I'll probably bring it with me and leave it in the vehicle just in case she says, yeah, I'll try that. Right. Well, with the free product bonus, if your holistic doctor was to actually be able to sell four wands, she would have sufficient bonus to give one to her grandmother for free. Right. That would be helpful. You know, even yeah. if she could defray the cost a little bit, you know, move a couple of wands and, you know, like you know, get halfway there or whatever and whatever. That would work. Don't know. Have to talk to her next time you talk to her. Yeah. All right. Well thank you very much, Rich. I, I appreciate You're the welcome. testimonials. All right. Is there anybody else that has uh that has positive results with the Itera classic wand? Uh, okay, well, I can give you, uh, I can give you yet another testimony of my own, testimony of my own. I've had my wand since, I believe, last, the September before last, okay, so I've had it a little over a year, and, um, I had an issue with a frozen shoulder. I couldn't raise my arm, um, higher than straight out in front of me, and even that was uncomfortable. But it was seriously painful trying to get it to move higher, and I could actually feel my shoulder binding. Well, <clears throat> the first thing I did was try the wand on that shoulder, and within 10 minutes... I was actually able to get another 45 degrees of rotation with less pain. And then I waited a day, 
and then I wanted it again for another five, ten minutes. And then I was able to raise my arm above my head with some discomfort. Well, I wanted it the third time a day later, and I got full range of motion with my shoulder and absolutely no discomfort whatsoever. Um, I had a scar on my leg from a bicycle uh, incident with a chain and a sprocket when I was uh, oh young, like 12, something like that. And that scar had remained there for 50 years. Well, I wasn't even wanting that part of my leg. I'd want my feet, you know, I'd want my spine, my chest, um, my shoulders, um, my neck. And I noticed that that scar that used to be hard, stiff, and, and you could actually feel a bump if you ran your finger over it, it, is, it had become completely smooth. And now, um, over the course of a year, it has completely vanished. And if you didn't know where it was, you wouldn't be able to find it. And the only evidence that it was there in the first place is the skin is slightly lighter in that spot. Um, but it's very, very, very difficult to see. Uh, you get to really look at it closely. Um, what else? Um, that's about it. Um, serious edema issue with my right foot um, as a result of the flu. Um, I'm not going to call the cuff the, anything but the flu. Um, it is weaponized. It's seriously... Uh, seriously um, uh, severe, but it is the flu. And um, wanding my leg and my foot, um, the swelling went down over the course of a week, week and a half, two weeks. And now that foot is same size as the other one. <laughs> so now... Um, I think it's about time, if we don't have anybody else that uh, has um, a comment or um, or any testimonials on the wand, we should switch gears and go to an archive. And I'm wondering if Mirka had been looking for one that uh, she could pop to me if uh, she knows of a good one. Mirka, are you there? Um. I'm going to email you, or uh, do you want me to just tell you which one it is? Just, um, June, June uh, 5th. June 5th, okay. 23, is a good one. It's about nations. <clears throat> Talks about June nations 5th. and citizens. Yeah. Okay. I was looking at some other ones. All right. Okay, June 5th. And let me pop that up. Let's see. I'm gonna grab it from I'm gonna grab it from Global Voice Network. Okay, that was on yeah, June fifth. Okay. All right, why? Um, June seventh is another good one too. And June seventh of this year. 
Yeah. All right. I will buzz down there and load that up. Uh, back to November. Or this, if you want to do um, June, it's gonna June take 7th. Is, to find it. Paul, June 7th um, yeah. is a complete national status. Um, it says uh, they talk about nation. They talk about, let's see. Yeah, and that's when he was talking Here. about Todd Calendar, um, June 7th. Okay, well, we've only got 40 minutes left of WBOU and an hour and 40 minutes left of um, Eurofolk Radio. I, could, I, I should actually mention the platforms that we're on while I'm uh, um, digging, digging up this archive. Uh, we are on EurofolkRadio.com. We're on Radio.GlobalVoiceRadio.net. The links for those uh, services are on ExposeTheMatrix.com. We're also on 106.9 WBOU-FM in Chicago, HomeNetwork.tv, FreedomNation.tv, and Go Live TV. Those are part of the Stream Life Network. And, uh, okay, so June 7th. All right. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I was looking to just in case. All right. Let's go. Let's try the June 7th archive. We're connected. We got some music coming for somebody. Goodbye. We've already done that. Of course, we're on global dot global voice radio dot net. We're on so two TV we're, platforms. We're on, on, we're on, okay, I'm I'm back. I'm back. Ask him if we okay. can have a telephone conversation because it's so much easier than trying to get this information across. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, no, actually, I didn't see that email well, yet, but I'll be looking well, at it. So when when you hear a woohoo interrupt well, everything, you'll know that I saw it. Okay, well, let me just give you a part of events here. Last night I was uh, popped over to the email client just to see if any good good folks are reaching out. And there's an email from Todd Callender. Oh, my God. And I just about swallowed my tongue. And uh, I want to thank Ron Hoffman. Hoffman has uh, had emailed him and... Uh, I don't know for how long or what level of communication they developed, but whatever it was, uh, when he answered Ron back, he copied me in. And, of course, Anthony's been working on him for almost a year, I think since last October, and he was going over his case in the Tenth Circuit and some of this, and I I noodled on it for a while. I've learned that in this deal. You sit back and think these things through rather than turn around and fire something right off in the heat of the moment. So I thought about it for a little while before I went to bed. I dropped him uh, just a little concise overview of what we do. And I asked him if we could have a telephone conversation because it's so much easier than trying to get this information across on email. You know, email's got one. It's fabulous. It's got one real big 
The drawback to me is it's two-dimensional. You can't get emotions into there, and it's impossible to have, of course, instant discussion. So uh, I said, I, if we could, it, I know you're busy, but if we could have a few minutes of your time and let me explain this to you. And uh, lo and behold, I just got an email re- reply back right before we went on the air. That's why I was a little bit late. And uh, so it looks like we're going to have a telephone conversation if we can get the time straight. Uh, and, uh, so Paul, I believe that, uh, you should explore and you'll see if you read that email I sent you from Todd last night, uh, we ought to look into being on his platform over, over there. Cloud hub, I believe is the name of it that he's now the CEO for. And, uh, again, thank you, Ron Hoffman, who is out work and doesn't join us. And like many people come in, get their questions answered and go on about their lives, you know, and, uh, uh, but uh, I sure do want to thank Ron for making that effort. And Anthony's been trying for a while. And for one reason or another, we haven't been able to get it. And Todd's busy as, un- what, as, as pr- probably about as busy as a man can get. And uh, so, but it looks like it's coming together. I think he wants to schedule that conversation for next week. Uh, so, hey, Roger. Fingers. Yes. This is Anthony. I'm saying hallelujah right now. Big sigh of relief, yeah. finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. Took how, how many months? Eight, eight, nine months, ten months? Um, so anyway, thank you for your efforts, Anthony. You opened the door, and uh, uh, I'm really anxious to talk to Todd because, I, as I told him in the email, I said, this is going to make you a lot more effective at everything you do in this arena, you know? Which and is absolutely so, wonderful. Uh, yeah, and what a good guy to align with, it appears. And, of course, he could be the key to getting us on Adams and, and SGT Report and all those because he's got relationships with all those folks. And uh, so may, the door may have been open, folks. We'll see. Don't get your hopes up. Been dashed many times before, but this is very promising and for a lot of reasons to me. So thank you, Anthony, and thank you, Ron Hoffman. Awesome. Uh, Yep. So pretty cool. Um, right. So that was the big thing on my mind. Yes. Uh, you, you said it before. The only thing that we can do is is give the message, share the share the message, share the information. If they pick it up, good on them. If they don't pick it up, still good on us. So. No, remember there was a saying we used to use when I first about the first serious networking company I ever did years ago was New Skin, and uh, pretty interesting company, um, uh, fine product line. Okay, and one of the big guys in there was two guys that worked as partners down in Miami area, and uh, they were uh, quite accomplished at it. And they had a saying: "He said, some will, some won't. So what?" Next. Some right. will. Exactly. Some won't. So what? Next. Okay. And that's, that's what the, the Bible says. If you tell somebody something, if you if you try to share the message with somebody and they do not listen, take the kick the dust off your heels, turn and walk away. Well, I've told y'all many Not times so in my inspiration. I could have come in this and figured out some way to make money off of it and been charging you guys. 
I, I didn't think that was right. I didn't want that potential obstacle up for people to try and come back and short sheet what we're doing. And as I've gone through it and thought through it over all these years, I've realized that really our my your our our role here too, yours too, it transfers to you, is uh, the watchman on the wall prophecy. You know, we see danger coming. We know you're enslaved. We see all this stuff coming. There's a way to get out of it. And if I don't tell you or try to tell you, the blood's on my hands. But if I tell you, you ignore it, the blood's on your hands. And uh, that's the approach I take. That's the mindset I have. Okay. So I don't right. go beat right. people up on more. I used to. I used to try and do that at one point and found out how frustrating and uh, uh, totally uh, uh, unproductive that approach is. Okay. Um, but you can plant seeds and just go on about your merry way and you're free, skip down the path and go find somebody else to talk to, you know, that's just, well, you know what it's it gotta is. be, you know, another way to do it. Okay. You know what it is? Um, I know exactly what it is. Uh, people's mindsets have been so twisted and manipulated to only value things that cost the more they cost, the more they value them instead of the way God wants you to assign value is the most important things in life and in this world don't cost money. Your friends, your family, your relationships, your God, your, uh, your harvest, your work, the result of your sweat, those are the things that matter, not the things that cost a bunch of money. Well, that, that you know, They're I've often, I, I don't know if we've said it around here lately, but I used to talk about it on the air. I, it seems to me I've drawn a parallel between what's happening and happened to us and what happened to the Israelites back when they were getting the Ten Commandments. You know, Moses went off on top of the mountain. He left them down there and he came back with the tablets and there they are worshiping the golden calf. Well, isn't in our time the golden calf materialism? Isn't that how they lulled us into sleep through the 50s with all of the gadgets and they took all the war production and converted it over to consumer goods and, oh, mom's got a new washing machine. Oh, look, there's a dishwasher here. Well, I don't have to scrub over the dishes anymore. All those kind of little things. The uh, We hadn't gotten into the inflation phase on the currency yet, so mom could stay at home and raise the kids and get all these nice little goodies that made her life so much easier, and they lulled us a lot us to sleep with materialism then with the media they come in and here's an interesting little tidbit of a fact somebody took a survey and did a study back in the 90s uh and they they looked at tv and the average couple in a tv commercial they ascertained uh, made about eighty thousand dollars a year well hell, nobody was making eighty thousand dollars a year a few per people were but not the vast majority you know and so here's this always dangling the materialism carrot in front of you and of course that means if you want to go get the nice little shiny things you got to go to the bank and get a loan and now you're loaded up with compound interest and you're in debt <laughs> yeah I mean, that really, isn't that the way it's developed? Looking back, I mean, it's just parallel to that exact incident. Can't serve God yeah. and mammon. Yes. So, and, and I, you know, I've said on here numerous times, if I was charging you guys a thousand dollars a piece or something for this, well, hell, the line had started Omaha. Yeah, they'll come flocking yeah, to you if you're trying to get money out of them. 
That's and that's exactly my point. You would have been charging for this. There would have been people lined up around the block because people only value what costs money, and that's wrong. It's it's so totally completely wrong. What, you know what's what funny? things really matter don't cost. I charge you a price. The price is you got to study and learn the information so you can be free. That's what I charge you. You know, many but years ago, right. a lot of people get... are like that. If they don't have money vested in it, they won't put the time into it. A lot of that's true, you know, Lisa, back when we were doing a lot of networking and, and yet before internet was really prolific and you had to go make copies and give out stuff and you go make a bunch of copies, it cost you some money, you know? So what we started doing instead of handing the people a flyer where they just throw it in the can or take it home and lay it down, and never look at it. So I'm going to give you this flyer, but you got to give me a dollar. And that one little dollar, the fact that they had something in that piece of paper will make them read it. It's the same principle of the flea markets, right? I mean, years ago, people trying to give things away and they were told, you know, put a price on it. People won't take it for free. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, but I determined time ago that I, you know, the Lord put me in a position 20 years ago where I had some cash flow and, and, uh, I've, I've always got that to fall back on. I don't really need money. I don't care about materialistic things. Uh, I'm not out chasing women, loose women, and I'm not out doing cocaine and other drugs, none of that stuff. I really don't have hardly anything to spend money on, you know? Out to do some nice lunches and stuff and a dinner occasionally, but I just don't care about the money. I don't care about materialism things. As I've gotten older, I realize less is more. The the less things you have, the more problem, the less problems you've got. There's a direct correlation there. Okay. So it was my choice to put this out for free, and uh, uh, and I don't think you should charge for freedom. I'm going to make you pay. If you want to be free, you need to learn the information. That takes a little effort. Okay. As those of you on here know. Okay. But that's my game here. And it's been slow. It's painstakingly at times. But here we are. And it seems like we're right on the, the cusp, the crest of uh, maybe breaking through here. So say some prayers, folks. Okay. Hey, so, guess somebody, what, Raj? What's we that, picked Mom? up another platform. <laughs> we are now also live on the 1776-er, 1776-er channel on Rumble, thanks to our buddy Joe in New Jersey. <laughs> All right, Joe, thank you. for Joe's been a wonderful contributor around here. i got to profusely thank Kay. And it's our old listener, Kay, that used to listen from the very early first shows we ever did 12 years ago, who lost her house in a foreclosure battle, got beat up real bad in court. They moved to the East Coast to take care of grandchildren. And Joe just happens to be her grandson's guitar teacher. <laughs> yeah. Morning, Roger. That's that's where Joe came from. Hey, Mike, how you doing this morning, boy? I got your email last night. Okay, good. Well, somebody else looking for you. Yeah, well, I'm sorry I've been around, but I had a tomioplasty done at the VA last Thursday. It you got a what? Behind the eardrum, and I, then I had to. Ooh. They had to drill inside my head with a, a drill, and then fix the eardrum. They had to graft it. So I've been in pain and out of. I've been on vacation for a week. How much fun can a poor boy have? Uh, I tell you what, 
I had a violent reaction to the anesthesia. I was spewing and puking bile like the exorcist. That'll I was scare anesthesia just right out of their skin. Yeah, I was in uh, recovery for nine hours. Then they had to uh, uh, keep me overnight because I said I was uh, uh, everything was we, messed up. You know, I've been, I've been well, anyway. in those operating rooms. In those operating rooms, the most important person in the operating rooms, the anesthesiologist. Oh yeah, yeah. So I got banned from a, a Reddit post last night. Somebody was posting some shit about uh, a female, a woman's. Uh, pro-life uh, a group and they were talking about the they said that the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, vo- uh, made them a hate group and I responded I said well they're nothing but pedophiles anyways and uh, and they're gynos and I, resp- I responded what a gyno is and uh, somebody responded to me saying hey uh, your uh, uh, antiseptism is coming out and I responded says they're not Semitic. They're Khazars. This someone responded again saying, oh, you're a liar. Well, what's Semitic? I responded, Bedouins are Semitic. Then they banned me. Yeah. Well, you're fighting the uphill battle there, Mike. Ask them how if the, if the Jews are the people of the book, why do they get their lineage from their mother's side when the entire biblical is all paternal? Why don't you ask them that and see how they respond? Oh, you're banned. I forgot. Oh, I can't. I, I can't. I can't really respond in the in the group anymore. They completely banned me from it, so I can't yeah. get in there. Well, I guess that means you're doing your job, doesn't it? Yep. Um, that uh, means you've identified and outed that group as one that's part of the problem, not part of the solution. See. So uh, yesterday hey, we Mike, ended up change your name to protect the innocent and go back in and and keep battling them. Well, you, when you I, walk, yeah, I never hide who I am. If you don't like me, who I, who I am, you can kiss my ass. That's that's just how I feel. A lot of them, a lot of them go by the IP. They ban your IP. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, well, uh, that's why God think- made virtual private networks. <laughs> if they don't like your IP, change it. Cheryl was unmuted in the uh, in the conference room, and I muted her because her phone was like uh, echoing back a little bit while Mike was talking. But I see she's unmuted again now. Cheryl, good morning. Good morning. Who, who are you? This is not, who am I talking to? That is Paul. Well, this is Paul, but Roger's here. Oh, okay. Okay. I have more questions. Is that all right? Yeah, hold on. Let me tell you. Paul is our technical wizard, okay? Oh, okay. So, one that orchestrates all of this and takes care of all the snafus and all that sort of thing. So, be really nice to him, okay? Hi, Cheryl. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Raj. Uh, igualmente. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning, Roger. Um, okay. Yesterday, I had asked you a question about Section 341. What is a certificate of non-citizen national status, whether it's um passport? And then you started talking about American Samoa and Swains Island. And I don't know if you ever answered my question. I think maybe I had a little bit of well. Well, let's go back because it's an important question. It's important that you understand this. There are two 
nationals. One of them encompasses American Samoans and the very few people, there's only about 30 of them, on Swain's Island, which is hooked into American Samoa through a nautical uh, oh, environmental deal. Okay, Swain's Island is actually a private island, I just learned over the weekend. Uh, but American Samoa and Swain's Island are the only two territories in the entire United States system that are unincorporated. In other words, they're part of the system, but they're not part of the system. Okay. Out of all the territories in the whole U.S. system, and I mean, there's a bunch of them. Have you ever heard of the Guano Islands, Cheryl? No, no, I haven't. They're a, they're a U.S. possession, the Guano Islands. Okay. Guam, Saipan, we've talked about recently. All, all those are all U.S. possessions, but the only one that's unincorporated or isn't umbilical to the federal government directly is American Samoa and Swains Island. And they call them nationals. But they are nationals. In other words, they have access to their original culture. They own their own land down there. If you uh, were to have an abortion in American Samoa today, they can arrest you for murder. Okay. Uh, They have their natural rights, but they don't have 14th Amendment rights called birthright citizenship because they're unincorporated. So they call them nationals, but because they're not both statuses at birth like we are, they're non-citizen nationals because they, a bunch of them, we've got a listener from uh, Tatuli. Uh, joins us, maybe listening right now from out in Arizona. He's been in the States many years. He's American Samoan, and his uncle is in a position down there in their culture where he might be the next king, of uh, the, the guy that runs American Samoa, okay? And so they uh, purposely left them down there without 14th Amendment attachment and citizenship, and they call them non-citizen nationals now us we understand this citizenship thing and our people that are new like yourself see that non-citizen national i'll tell you who used to be really bad about this was chris cave he had a hard time getting a hold of this okay they're nationals but they're not citizens we're both but we're nationals so they call them non-citizen nationals now cheryl i'm going to give you a a, a, tell you exactly what's going on here when you were young did you ever go to the fair and see the little guy out there with the table and the felt tablecloth with the three thimbles there going which one's (laughs) to be under yeah that's what's going on right here okay They stick them out there, put national, and then don't allow them to be citizens without naturalization so they can hide the other national status behind them. This is nothing but magic going on here. M-A-J-I-K, okay? So that document you're looking at is telling the American Samoans that, hey, we used to issue these certificates of non-citizen nationality, but, you know, the cost of paper and the cost of ink has gotten so absorbent that we don't do that anymore and we want you to go get a passport. That's what the body of that policy statement is. But here's the beauty of it. Because they're telling and covering up the lie, they've got to frame it with the truth. 
And it depends on which version you're looking at. But in the second or the third paragraph there, if you've got it on your screen, you'll see the paragraph. You'll see the paragraph, and I don't know which one you're looking at. It's one of those two. That paragraph starts out with this language, according to the INA. Do you see that? As defined by. As defined by the INA, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. And then it goes on to define the American Samoan. and says, but. There's some U.S. nationals who are not U.S. citizens. Those are American Samoans. But what it's telling you in that one little statement is that our statuses are equal. Citizen and national in their eyes are equal. And that's how they can ask you the leading question, are you a citizen of the United States? They don't ask you, are you a citizen or a national, do they? Do one place. They have, Mike found it on a BATF form. They ask it in that manner. But most of the time, they only ask you one side of the leading question. You know, uh, it's like, uh, hey, Paul, did you ever beat your, get caught beating your wife in the closet? You know, it's kind of like that, right? Okay, and so the our two statuses as nationals or state citizens, if you want to use that and bring it in for reference, okay, are nationals. American Samoans are non-citizen nationals. In fact, we've had two cases uh, get into the court system on this because the American Samoans don't understand. Okay, they think they're in the U.S. system and that they ought to get all the goodies like everybody else. Because here's the problem they've got. If they're not 14th Amendment citizens, they can't get the goodies. Okay, so they're pissed off because they think that they should have both statuses like everybody else. They move and immigrate to the U.S. There's a bunch of them out in Utah. Evidently, the Mormons have done a real good job down there. There's a bunch of them out there in Utah, and one of those cases came out of Utah within the last couple of years. And they're, because they come to the U.S., and they're nationals, but they're not citizens. So they meet restrictions. They meet glass ceilings. They can't be officers in the military. They can join the military but they can't be officers. They can't go so much higher in civil service than a certain level because they're not citizens, and they feel like that's discrimination, okay? The first case on this was about 15 years ago. It went through the D.C. Circuit. There, You, you can go back and look up for people in the audience that want to go, and I, I encourage people to go check this out, make the information yours. Go into a search engine and put in plebiscite, in, in, in quotation marks, plebiscite, spelled just like it sounds, plebiscite, American Samoa. And you'll see where this started, okay? And it started with a plebiscite is when you have a, a whole group grow, grow, uh, vote on something. Okay, and so they had a plebiscite down there on why they think they ought to be citizens of the United States because they're in the system and all the things I just covered. Well, that case was ruled against them. It went up to the D.C. Circuit, ruled against them. It went to the Supreme Court, and they wouldn't hear it. They turned it down. Okay, now this would seem like a pretty important issue, wouldn't it? Why would the turn that turn that issue down? Because if they heard it, it'd blow this lid off the whole scam. Now, the other one, I'll get you in a second, Carol. The other one came up a couple of years ago out of Utah. And uh, 
saw an article. So one of the listeners sent me an article there and it was a American Samoan attorney. He had a, a backup attorney in DC with a bunch of several of these American Samoans in Utah who were reaching these glass ceilings and they went to court and it, the court in Salt Lake city ruled in their favor. The district court ruled in their favor. Within 24 hours, there was two amicus curie briefs sitting at that court. Do you know what an amicus curie brief is, Cheryl? No, I do not. It's called a friend of the court brief, and it's other people that have a case that they think they want to comment on, and they can submit a brief, and it's called an amicus curie, a friend of the court brief. Okay, Within 24 hours after that decision in Salt Lake City, there was two amicus curie briefs sitting at the district court in Salt Lake City. Within 24 hours, okay, one of them was from the federal government, and the other one was from American Samoa to rule against that decision. They took it to the 10th circuit and the 10th circuit did rule against them. Okay. That's in Denver, by the way. So here's your difference. They use the American Samoans as a setup and a hidey hole for the term national because they don't expect anybody to come in it the way we haven't figured out. They expect people to be digging like you're doing through all these statutes and regulations and trying to find out. Okay, and figure it out. And you're going to hit the term non-citizen national, and you're going to go, oh, oh, that must be us. And you're going to go look at it and go, oh, that's American Samoan. That couldn't have anything to do with me. Do you see to the links these people have gone to to hide this? Roger, what was the article again? You put in plebiscite and American Samoa. And okay. you should come up with that. Is with that, that the L- now, this is interesting. So who, and it, this came out of that article. So who, what agency of government governs American Samoa and sent a representative down to oversee the plebiscite? Which agency has jurisdiction over American Samoa? I know Daryl knows, but you guys don't. Merka, who, what agency out of the 600 plus up there have control of American Samoa? There are a few crickets. The Department of the Interior, of course. That's right. You did say that before. You see how everything they do is dialectics. That would be the first place you'd go to check up on American Samoa, the Department of the Interior, wouldn't it? Right. You see how these guys work? Now, sure. Raj, the most recent example of that happening, going and looking in Swains Island and the Northern Mariana Islands and the whole non-citizen national thing and arrogance, you know, taking hold and completely discounting it as, uh, oh, okay, that couldn't possibly apply to us. Our most recent example of that was Ron Avery, because that was where he hung his hat. He discounted everything that you were saying just because of confusion over that statement. A good point. Good point. So, and Ron Avery's a real with, with the Puerto Rican, Could you contrast Samoan with the Puerto Rican stand? stand um, okay. Well, Puerto Rico's incorporated. American Samoan's not. How about that? Say it again, please. I'm sorry. 
Puerto Rico and all the other territories are incorporated into the federal system. American Samoa and Swains Island are not. Thank They're you. not incorporated. I need to. I need to clarify something because okay, I'm still confused. Uh, well, yeah, it's meant to confuse you, Cheryl. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at a passport, the renewal application. And it says um, issued to U.S. citizens, which I'm thinking that means, you know, 14th Amendment U.S. citizens or or non-citizen U.S. nationals, which right away I think of, okay, they're talking about American Samoa or Swains Island people. But where do regular nationals fit in there? They're hiding you behind that. Where but now if you, you mean go they to the front, hold on, Cheryl. On the front page of the passport, it says U.S. passports are only issued to U.S. Na- citizens slash nationals. They don't have the non-citizen identifier on there. Well, I'm looking at the front it, page. I'm, I'm looking at, I printed out U.S. passport renewal application for eligible individuals. This is Section A, eligibility to use this form. It says this form is used by U.S. passport holders to renew their current or recently expired U.S. passport book and or card, um, a travel document attesting to one's identity, and issued – oh, they're talking about the card – a travel document attesting to one's identity and issued to U.S. citizens or non-citizen U.S. nationals. They're, They're talking about a travel card, who they issue the travel card to. That's what it sounds like. Okay, well, if you look on the front page of the passport, it specifically says nationals without the non-citizen identifier. However, if you look on the passport application that you're looking at right there and go to the oath, they don't say national. They use non-citizen national. Okay, let me show you why they're doing this. Cheryl, hold on. on. First of all, rather than digging in and reading all this stuff, learn the concepts first, then you'll be able to read it and know better what you're reading. The reading the statutes and going to all this stuff is the defense they've put up so you can't figure this out. Yeah, I just posted the definitions on the telegram that I put together for the students so she can look at that. All right, let me throw a herring at Cheryl. In IRS publication 519, they make a statement, and they say a national owes total allegiance to the U.S. What's wrong with that statement, Cheryl? Well, if it's if it's our kind of nationals, then first of all, that well, it's contradictory because the U.S. is the corporate U.S., and the right. nationals are not under their jurisdiction. Correct. So, you see, here's how they're doing this and using that non-citizen identifier to screw us up. A non-citizen national owes total allegiance to the U.S. because they're an unincorporated territory. But they dropped non-citizen off of that statement in the IRS publication. 
This is all designed to hide this as deeply and thoroughly as possible. And for people that are trying to fight through the statutes and regulations to figure out what's going on, that you never achieve that. And guess what? They've been damned effective at it because nobody that's ever tried to go at this this way has ever figured it out. So the general concept here is what? I mean, that basically we can, use, Let me see if I can we can use Let me see form can to claim it. national status. Let me see if I can frame it another way for you, okay? Yeah. There's four political statuses in the country. Can you name them? Uh, uh, right. Let's together. Okay, there's a citizen of the United States. Hold on, let's walk through this here. We got a little delay here. There's a citizen of the United States that's under the 14th Amendment that most people are, right? Yeah, yes. Now we know there's also a national that they've desperately tried to hide because they got no defense against this, quite frankly. So that's the second one. The third one is American Samoan non-citizen national. And the fourth one are green card holder legal residents. There are four political statuses in the country. They want you to believe there's only one. And if you look deep enough and start thinking, they want you to believe there's only two. Or three, they want to add the resident in there too. They don't want you to know about the national one because they've gone to unbelievable lengths to hide it. Okay. Yeah. Does, it, does, does that help? Yes. Yes. I just, I guess I'm just reading it too literally. I mean, of course, I understand everything that you said. Just when I see it on the form, it says, okay, so U.S. citizen, 14th Amendment or non-citizen U.S. national, which means American Samoa. So then I don't see, you know, the, the Yeah, free that's the fraud. They're, that's the fraud. They're hiding national behind non-citizen national and using that term to buffalo you. Okay, let's look at this another way. Let's look at this from the passport oath and compare it over to 26 CFR 1.1-1A, which is IRS stuff, okay? So the passport says, I certify under penalty of perjury, I'm a citizen of the United States or a non-citizen national and have not since achieving uh, U.S. citizenship or nationality violated any of the acts and conditions listed on page so-and-so of the instructions. And there they tell you, unless explanatory statement is attached. Again, I swear under penalty of perjury that you're foregoing true and correct. Now, here is this terms and conditions statement first of all which is if you've been boinking little boys or girls over in bangkok and got caught or if you're smuggling cocaine and got caught or whatever then in the oath they tell you to explain to ex attach an explanatory statement but right there in the sentence before it where it's got these two issues of political status they don't tell you nothing so right there don't you doesn't that raise an eyebrow okay so let's take that statement and go over to 26 CFR where they also lay out the statuses and let's compare those two. 
Okay, And that one says an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States and residents, and to the extent of 871B and 877B, all non-resident alien individuals. Now, we know there's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave, right, Cheryl? Right. Okay. So here's what they're doing. They couldn't take and put the IRS definition of national, non-citizen national, or uh, a, a non-resident alien, they couldn't put that, even though it's that status, in the passport oath. I swear under penalty of perjury I'm a citizen of the United States or a non-resident alien. And people looking at that and reading it, the very few that do, would, would say, well, what, what, what the hell's Jose the tomato picker doing applying for a passport? He's a Mexican. And that's it for 106.9 WBOU-FM in Chicago. Uh, <clears throat> to follow us into the second hour, please go to ExposeTheMatrix.com, and you will find the EuroFolkRadio.com link right there. Thank you for joining us on 106.9 WBOU-FM in Chicago. We now res- resume your regularly scheduled programming. Again. There And they couldn't, in the IRS uh, jurisdictional statement, say uh, an income tax is owed by all individuals who are citizens of the United States and residents, and to the extent of 871 and 877B, all non-citizen nationals. Because then some attorney or some tax preparer that did stumble on that is going, well, look, I don't know what a non-citizen national is, but I'm damn sure going to find out because they're only responsible for two sections of the code. See how they change these labels. That's why I say learn the concept. When you learn the concept, you can identify the label change. The reason our community has had such little success over so many years is they chase those labels. They don't understand the concept. Oh, oh, here's a non-resident alien. Let's go chase that. Uh, You see what I'm saying here? So... uh... So, so the IRS, so the IRS de- definition of non-resident alien that is the same then, or that could be the same as just national. It is the national. It is the national. It's not could be. It is. You're non-resident to the residency of the Fourteenth Amendment, and because you're a state citizen, your political status is alien from the federal citizenship, isn't it? Yes. You see how you can read through there? You'll never figure that out. Yeah. I know. I'll get to you, Daryl. Hold on. Daryl's got some kind of a cogent comment here. Hey, buddy. Hi, good morning. Uh, Look, uh, the the very first premise, and uh, Cheryl is – uh, doing a really good job of doing what we've all done, <laughs> and we've all done it. Uh, you're operating under the premise in your own mind that they're going to tell you the truth. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yep. And you have to uh, bridge this chasm of your of your whole life believing government that they will actually tell you the truth or that they're a representative of truth. You, you literally have to cross that 
chasm. It's, it's for some people, it's uncrossable. They can't cross that that cat. It's a chasm. <clears throat> it's like somebody standing on a hundred foot tall ledge, looking looking ten feet across. You know, they can't they can't see themselves not believing government and and that you will actually they will be uh they will be clear and defined in and truthful and and cogent and and uh in in their dealings with you that's that's the really big hurdle uh that I'm observing uh, most people in the beginning are at uh and if if you're not careful even after you even after you comprehend what what the words mean your conditioning is so deep that it will take you back in to their belief system it's literally just a belief system yeah and uh so here's some interesting things about american samoa real simple uh they have a separate constitution. Uh, they have a separate bill of rights. Uh, only only ten percent of their land can ever be offered for sale. The other ninety percent is held by families. They can't mortgage them. They, they, the the men, or the clans, or the families, or the tribes, own the land. The land. I'm I'm going to keep harping on this because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. The land is attached to them. As a U.S. citizen, you're attached to the land. You get the difference? The, okay. In, Darryl, in their law. Yeah. Go ahead, Daryl. Finish up. I want to poll. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In their law and their national status to their nation, their nation. See, they're not citizens. So their nation is American Samoa. Correct. And they own the land. The land. It is attached to them the way it was when you were of the state of uh, Pennsylvania before the Civil War. Right. Uh, the way you were, the the land was attached to you. They they have a fancy term for this. You know, we all found out about it. Some people call it loyal. Some people call it patent. Some people call it letters of patent. That means the land is attached to you. Okay, and and so they still retain those fundamental relationships that have not been inverted. Now, who inverts things? Uh, uh, attorneys and Satan, uh, if you can find a difference. Okay, and uh, so well, what are some other things that American Samoans can't do? Well, uh, they're not. They're not persons under they the have, 14th Amendment. They have a representative in the House of Representatives, but they can't vote. 
Yeah, they also can't. They also can't uh, perform abortions at will. It's murder. You'll be charged with murder, and so will the uh, the practitioner for murder, which is what it is. It's murder. Okay, because they're not persons. The Fourteenth Amendment provides for the murdering of, of, of babies in their womb because they don't have any protected rights. If their mother's a U.S. citizen, they don't have any protected rights because they're not a person under the 14th Amendment. This is very, this is very, uh, well, it goes beyond evil. It's, it would probably be Canaanite. It's very Canaanite, you know, child sacrifice. Yeah, Phoenician. So, Cheryl, do you know what so, Roe versus Wade was was based on? Roe versus Wade was two hundred and something pages long. Ah, Paul, I can't remember the justice that wrote it. His name escapes me right now. But there was—it's the only Supreme Court case in the history of the country where there was never one case cited in the decision. There was Paul. Are you there? Hi, uh, Raj. <laughs> hey, man. We are found you. you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I didn't know. Of course, it, they shifted, obviously, the uh, blackout window from 8 to 10 to 10 to 12. And uh, uh-huh. so uh, I'm sure that's what happened. And uh, anyway, I didn't know whether you were playing a replay or you were doing the show or what. So, Well, actually, John ducked out, too, this morning because he didn't have a chance to uh, – he couldn't find his Microsoft Word to install it on his restored computer, so he didn't have any testimonials to offer. So he came on before the show. He said, Paul, I'm not going to be here today. So here I am. John ducks out. You're MIA. Wow. Well, hey, no, it's replay time. It's replay time at that point. So is it playing in the background? Are we live now or what? Yeah, we're live. We're live. I paused it. So. All right. So uh, I don't know if any of the groups with us today. If not, we can just continue on with that replay. Really. Uh, well, we've got forty six attendees in the conference room. Hey, Everybody's still here. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. All right. We can continue we're, we're, on or whatever. And have, go ahead, Marco. We're waiting for you. <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, you know obviously out of my control. So uh, yeah, anyway, uh, and, and the. Th- Yes. Yeah. I can't, we're all getting used to it, kind of. You know. Listen. I exchanged uh, uh, some messages with one of our listeners in South Africa over the weekend, and they're having ten-hour rolling blackouts. So uh, you know. So uh, there's a pony in that stocking somewhere. Um, so y'all would just... hey, Roger. Okay, well, thank you for that, and uh, there's certainly a lot to talk about and discuss. We've got an, always got, I guess, new people drifting in here. Now, what did that come up? Where, what is this? Uh, let's see. This you is would show uh, up, Roger. You said you would. Okay, well, I I try and be dependable. If I if I'm able to be here, I'll be here. And uh, so today was obviously one of those days when I wasn't. But uh, we still got an hour left, so John had Sarah, a little snafu too, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't have any well, testimonials, no video prepared, no nothing. So Well, I know the I know the consequences of a hard drive crash, believe me. Uh Merka, you were gonna say something there? Sarah was um trying to say something right now. Yeah. Sarah jumped on. Sarah. Hey, so I had a flashback of the alloidal title people are asking me about. I got mention one very important detail was that I did go back and get the original patent sent to me which actually took me a really long time to hunt down I was in South Dakota but it was in Montana and it was no I had they notarized it sent it to me and in my notarized affidavit that I submitted and took to court and everything that was how I transferred it into the alloidal because I transferred the original land patent into our name. Yeah, that's the way you got to do. I know if you're going to go that yeah. route, you got to go back and uh, uh, get that original land grant. Yeah, um, and I was thinking. You know, as this kind of closed the show off Saturday, uh, I was thinking about it a little bit. And uh, this other approach seems real valid to me if you've already changed your status and you're transferring and doing it with silver and a bill of sale uh, uh, to somebody who's gone through a political status. You know, that should hold at least what it does. It might... Uh, it, 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 you might not have to go back and get the land grant and still have possession of the property this way. I hadn't thought it through totally. I don't know what some of the obstacles might be, but it sounds like in theory it ought to work. Yeah, before when I had done it, I knew nothing about any of this. This was like seven right. years ago. But well, you know, honestly... Because this is not anything, I don't have a personal interest in this, so I haven't delved into it real, real deeply, you know. Um, But this little approach, this way was, as I said the other day, was brought to us by a gal that used to hang around the show. We called her the Wolf Woman. Any of y'all around back, any of you guys go back that far back with the program? Lisa, do you remember the Wolf Woman? Are you with us? Lisa might not be. Anyway, she was uh, quite a character. She was in her 80s, lived out in the middle of West Texas, off in the uh, prairie Timbuktu some area, known, you know, uh, very sparsely populated. And she literally was off the grid on, on solar panels, I think, and raised wolves. She's quite a gal. Uh, How long ago was that, <laughs> I was eight, eight, nine years ago, something like that. Uh, and uh, she's the one that brought, told me that, that that's how she'd gotten her property. And, I'd, I, you know, I'd never even thought of that approach. And it seems to be, especially if you've changed your status and the property's going to somebody who's a national, land grant or not. The object is to what? own your property and you can't really do that without getting it off the property rolls. That's the critical part, right? That's how they tax you. They can't tax you if you're not on the property rolls. Yes, so the property somehow, rolls somehow. Okay, hold on. Pro- Go ahead. 
Well, you're breaking up a little bit. You're in the car, obviously. Uh, but it seems to me that at least this approach gets the property off the property rolls. Uh, is still in the other guy's name, but he's not the owner anymore. He didn't do anything illegal by selling it to you, and they got to find a way to bring that nexus to you, and I don't believe they can. So that's the, as I was thinking it through this weekend, seems very valid theoretically. Now, go ahead, Sarah. I was just going to say, and in that process that was brought up with the judge, the elected judge that I had in the court proceeding, was that they even called a recess was how they had to cancel the bond. That was the only thing that they were concerned about was if we do How to cancel you. Right. Yep. They, that was their biggest hang-up, and that's why I think, yeah. looking back on all the traffic stuff as well, is that these magistrates don't have that power, and I think that the elected judge somehow, which I haven't found, you know, the fine print, but I think somehow an elected judge has the power to actually cancel a bond. Well, see, in the, the way that they're hooking you in on, on the property rolls is with these municipal bond issues. And they'll, you know, oh, wait, we're going to, you know, you vote on it when you go to vote and they put it on those little things that nobody reads at the bottom of the ballot. You know, well, you, you, do you agree to spend $100 million to get a new water system? And a large chunk of it, I know, I don't know the percentage, goes to support the public school system. So all of the municipal trappings are wrapped into these bond issues of which your taxes pay and satisfy those bonds. I remember my father, when he was still alive, he, 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 he wasn't much of an investment guy. He didn't have a lot of money, but what he had saved up, he would put through a, a, a special fund, a municipal bond fund over uh, with USAA. And they had this fund you could invest in. I don't know the returns or anything. I don't remember that. But the reason he did it was because it was tax-free. And my dad hated paying interest and taxes. And, uh, of course, the, uh, the old saying, tax avoidance is a crime. Tax, of, tax evasion is a crime. Tax avoidance is your duty. I think that was a learned Roger. hand uh, thing. Yes, Paul. So, anyway, that goes back to when they float the bond issue, your properties then put on the property rolls. And that would make sense why the judge would call a recess and said, how do we deal with their percentage, your percentage, Sarah, on your property of these bond issues and this debt that we owe? Yeah, Paul. Well, Joe had, we were talking about this in the after show the other day, and Joe had brought up the fact that the property tax is not attached to you, the owner. It's attached to the property itself. Correct. So, Correct. So his expectation was if somebody bought a piece of property with pieces of silver and other valuable consideration and just did not re-register the property in their own name, that's, that's, that the no, sheriff that's, would that's, still sell it on the courthouse steps. Because there's no there's no owner of record. So well, that may be true. Uh, you, know, uh, you remember the word I used theoretically? 
Yeah. Theoretically, theoretically it should work. Okay. But it, 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 these things, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's a, that's an excellent point, and it probably would be a reality in some jurisdictions. Hey, Roger. Hey, Joe. What if someone did? What if someone did that? That was the other Joe that had that comment the other day. Um, yes. I, I was just thinking, what if someone did that exactly what Paul said, but instead of registering it, right, like not registering it, they put an ad in the newspaper for a couple of days or for two weeks saying that they've taken over that land um, lawfully with the 21, you know, uh, 21 silver dollars or whatever it is, another uh, lawful consideration and then said, um, any challenges must be put in writing and signed under penalty of perjury um, that I do not own this land clear and free in Elodium. I don't know. Again, you know, you're off in theory, and that is a public notice, and it has certain weight. But as you have found out personally, Joe, the court system is not always fair and square. You know, I was thinking about you this weekend. I was watching uh, college football, and the uh, service that I use grabs different stations around the country to feed you the whatever you're, you're watching. And uh, they grabbed a New York station, and they were doing commercials for the Jersey Lottery. <laughs> And I guess you got a lottery deal going with a thing called the green ball. Have you heard any of this? Do you, are you exposed to any of that at all uh, peripherally? Or, no. Anyway, I, well, they got some important. sort of a deal going where if a where if a green ball comes up, you get a second chance at winning the lottery. You know, and so uh, they're they're doing this real fancy produced spot and all that. And at the end, the tagline is. Anything can happen in Jersey. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're worried about he, that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it two or three times, and every time I want you to know I thought about you. <laughs> yeah. You so must have been talking about Auburn. Did. Yeah, I was. I was watching Auburn, Alabama. Hell of a football game. They got their ass tore up. I it was it was right even. I thought Auburn was going to win that game. I, I really and boom, boom. Now Alabama, of course, turns it around. They're very famous for magical stuff like that. And but a hell of a football game. Now I I'm kind of perplexed on what's going on with college football. Because of all these major changes they're making, I guess it's for the next year is going to be the 16-team playoff thing instead of the four-team we've got now. And they're readjusting everything. So I, I don't know how they've got it schemed up. I sure hope they don't screw things up because some, some of those games are, are not going to happen anymore. So we'll see, Mike, anyway, just on the side. Um, yeah, but uh, I couldn't help but think about Joe when I was <laughs> seeing that. the green ball. Yikes. So the other, uh, to, to answer what you were talking about right before that injection there is uh, uh, we don't know how the courts react to hardly anything anymore, do we? You can't predict it as much as you used to could because it's just friggin' corrupt. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I just figured that if you put out an affidavit, right, put it on, on like a, in a newspaper or something, and if nobody rebuts it, then that's, that's the truth. Nobody challenges Well, you fool. You full you fulfilled notice and your public duty, uh, and so again, this is one of those things that it depends on who you got the issue in front of, doesn't it? Yeah. And where we are, uh, so uh, that's I tell you, this is a challenge overcoming. It, it is and it isn't. It, it isn't federally, it seems, because the feds. I mean, you know, I'll say it again, in 12 and a half years, nobody's ever come to the program or to me and said I had this specific problem from the feds because of filing this paperwork. That's never happened one time, okay? So they recognize it. It's situations like Joe's here and these local jurisdictions, and that makes it sometimes a much harder uphill battle, and it makes it a much more unpredictable. In and out for an outcome, but we all know what we're fighting now, don't we? Hey, Roger, you know, that made me think about something too. I was thinking about this, um, the incorporation doctrine, right? Um, yeah. how, how they've incorporated the bill of rights into, uh, the States through the 14th amendment. The, uh, so, well, that's the, pretty- the, adjusted bill of rights to the states through the 14th amendment might be more accurate because they're not the exact bill of rights they're an adjusted bill of rights you don't have access to some of them and like with the second amendment the perfect example now you got to go through licensure to own a firearm right yeah which is what i'm dealing with currently um, but I thought about it and I said, well, you know, technically under the incorporation doctrine, um, there's no ninth or 10th amendment at all. So if there's no 10th amendment, brought- correct. Then that means the states don't have a right to create a police force. I, I guess. Well, I mean, it just brings it back. I think it just means that everything's federal anyway, and this is all just a uh, – it's just like one of those tricks, like, you know, one of those um, – you know, a, a company overproduces something, so they create, like, a secondary company to sell their product for cheaper because they can't get it out under their name. Okay. Like Gap and Old Navy or something. Yeah, like no, sort. I – right. Uh, well – we just don't know what here here's the problem is they don't even take take the rules and they shade them totally in their direction like Merrick Garland's doing with DOJ all this stuff they just take the rules these pharisees they just take the rules and adjust them change the definition or whatever and go off in some direction under some damn plausible deniability thing uh yeah Look, I don't have all the answers, man. I got the major ones. We can delve into these hypothetical things. But again, with those variables the way they are, it's all speculation anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is speculation. I think think we actually have a duty to look at the, the state constitutions and statutes and 
or whatever regulations that they have and go through that and find their jurisdictional uh, statements that are inside of there. Their limits, their limits. Well, yeah. that's why I, you know, shift back. And I don't think I don't. I didn't talk to Mark. I forwarded what you wrote to Mark, and I don't know. You know, he's got his own schedule on getting to that. But uh, that's why this element of this protection thing could be potentially so important because that is something that you can hold their feet to the fire to, and at whatever judicial level. I mean, it's solid, okay? That's a duty well, for them. Roger, I, Roger, I, I feel like... All right, I, hold on. Hold, go ahead, Mark, and we'll get to Bruce. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was just gonna say the people that are really researching and trying to make sure that we're following what what is safe for us to use, um, like what Rod, um, Joe was saying, is going through certain, you know, statutes and, you know, whatever laws that they have and see what they, what they're stating that are the jurisdiction is. It's important for us to know that too, to understand it. You know, um, this is the only way that we're going to defend ourselves knowing all that data. I don't, I mean, I don't disagree with that. Uh, um, and at least you're look, you're looking for it, knowing what you're looking for. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I understand that totally. Uh, I've done it both ways, Marka. Bruce, the top down uh, is yes, Roger, good morning. morning. Good morning. I'm glad you made it in. Um, Joe, you might want to start an administrative process on that property that you're going to do the title to and um, give notice in, in the paper with the affidavit that you are starting your administrative process and anybody has any problems with this uh, process with me uh, or the property or claim please put it in the paper too be the platform I'm in. sure go ahead okay uh, there's a guy in Florida He's been successful in getting properties off of the property tax rolls because by Florida statute, they cannot tax a property that is not used in a commercial endeavor. Now, because a United States citizen holds title to a piece of property, they're they're subject to the federal government and they're always engaged in commerce because they're always working. They're an employee of the federal government and they work 24-7. They just don't get paid for it. And they don't know that. But if a national buys a property and uses that as a basis in fact that I am not operating commercially, I'm not in the public, I'm in the private, this is my domicile. This is where I perform housekeeping. This is not a place of business. Take me off the tax rolls. And like I said, the guy in Florida, he had some success with it. He had his own property and probably a half a dozen others that were just dropped from the taxes. The the, um, codes enforcement officer doesn't even go in their neighborhood anymore. He doesn't even want to be there. So that's one thing. Maybe. I know it's real important to some people, but 
this isn't an across-the-board issue f- for everybody, and it gets very intricate. I, I've looked into it, but I've never looked into it real deeply. Uh, so it's a side issue, but I understand it's important to some of you. I know uh, Gary said he had a group. Uh, somebody in his group is really looking into that heavily. Uh, so I, I, we just don't have any real answers on it, you know. Understand? Are we still on the air? Yep, but if anyone's going to come up with an answer, it'll probably be us. Because we've got some bulldogs in here. Can't say that I disagree with you there. Uh, Sorry, I was just trying to get my big computer booted back up here while we were going through that a little bit. Um, But it was on my mind this weekend, and that is a slick way to sidestep it, but you might have a vengeful sheriff and... Uh, there, there, there's, you just don't have the vision going into court that you, you, that the court should give us, put it that way. What I would say so, is look at the property tax statutes for your state, identify what is defined as a taxable property, and then yeah. use that information to challenge the validity of that statute applying to you through an administrative process. And if they fail to answer or rebut your claim, then you can take it to the next step. I'm not exactly sure what yep. that would be, but... Um, nope. And... I don't, and I don't like to get into it too deeply because the people that it doesn't apply to, we lose them, you know. Uh, right. So it's just one of those things. As I said, it's real important to some people. And like with me, I don't care about owning any, any land. So, but uh, in fact, I, the best I own, own land. Oh, I know. I'm, I know it's right. real important to some people. I understand all that totally. Okay. Uh, it's just not my hut, hot button personally. Uh, the less I own, the happier I am is what I've discovered. Yeah, I'm starting to see the joy in not owning much considering my uh, upcoming move. Well, it just gets to the point where, you know, and that's some one of the processes where I learned that lesson uh, is all this moving that I've done over the last 15 years. And uh, I've come to truly understand that less is more and be content with just the simple things. So uh, that for me, it might not be that way for everybody, and that's fine. It's just that personally for me, that's the way I feel. So uh, I, I learned that you don't own possessions. Possessions own you. Quite frankly, That's exactly what I was about to say. So uh, anyway, could we by any chance, do we have any new people on listening that stuck with what was going on before I got with you that have anything they'd like to have addressed? Any folks like that? Hey, Roger. There's yeah, a Gary. Gary. Hey, Gary. Sorry, I'm not. A new <laughs> I think the biggest fear on this property tax thing Roger, is what do we do when they collapse the economic system? <clears throat> they can use a property tax then to, to take everything people own. Or... 
Gary, they're doing that right now. They're doing that right now all over the country. They're adding ad valorem taxes like crazy. And when you try and go appeal it, you get shut down on your appeal. Uh, all over the country is what I gather. I've heard them talking about it on InfoWars because Owen was bitching about it. And Rob Dew's in the same situation. So they are already using that and starting to apply it. And it's only going to get worse. Oh, I agree, Roger, and that's my point. I think that's a big fear of most people. Even if your property's paid for, you still got to come up with that rent money because you're a tenant every month, and that's how they well, look they at you as a tenant. They still got you in tied into that bond system, and once again, here's the debt monetary system, and what's the root of it? Bonds. Yep. Bond, Roger, yeah. what? Go ahead, Daryl. Oh, uh, well, it's Gary. Oh, Gary. Everybody needs UBS Bank in Europe. Uh, it's on the brink of failure. They just consolidated yeah. with Swiss Bank. Uh, yeah. Remember 2008 when we had Lehman Brothers set off that whole financial mess? Oh, yeah. Well, UBS oh, yeah. UBS the one that sets it off this time. Uh, all these That's one of the reasons. Yeah. So one of the things that's going on in Argentina, uh, it looks like, is uh, uh, trying to do anything to prop up the dollar, and they get to take over Argentina again. Uh, And, of course, Argentina is one of the places in Patagonia that they wanted to move all the Jews to and have been making inroads towards that end for decades, uh, at least 20 years. And uh, uh, that plays right into this whole scenario in some way. Here you got this new president who's supposedly the Trump of Argentina, wants to get rid of the administrative state and all this. His background is he's an economics teacher, and he's an Austrian economics guy, and yet he's bringing in all this Keynesian crap. Wants to put him on the dollar. He wants to get rid of the Argentine central bank and hook in with the biggest crooked central banker in the friggin' world, the Federal Reserve, and put the Argentina on the dollar, which was disastrous for them back in the uh, led up to the bankruptcy. Somebody's got a mic open and wants to say something. Go ahead. Yes, I, I do, Roger. Nope. Okay, go ahead. Gary, move where move move where you were move where you were a minute ago when you talked because you're real hollow now. Is this better? Yeah, it is. There it is. Well, anyway, I don't know if you heard uh, Trump say that uh, anybody that's anti-Semitic, uh, he ought to kill. Just thought I'd bring that out. The Argentina guy just got elected to sworn convert to Judaism. And the Denmark guy that just got elected is, uh, had a prominent Israeli flag featured behind him so don't believe anything uh, well, uh, is being told. that's right that's right it's just an illusion the guy the argentina guy was had a israeli flag the night he uh, won the election on stage mm-hmm. even trump and i know roger you yeah. like trump but uh well i like so i like some out. no i I like some of Trump. This is a side of Trump I don't like, worth a, worth a flying damn, okay? But go ahead, Gary. 
Well, it just he come out and plainly said, and you can hear it. It's all it's on the internet. Where if you're anti-Semitic, you, you ought to be dead, basically. Okay. Well, so anyway, so that's, much for, uh, that's what Trump go, said. Go, go, uh, well, Roger. Yeah. Hey, Daryl, we'll get to you. I know you're there. Hold on a second. We got all the Gary's right. uh, Gary's little echo thing kind of disrupts a little bit. Gary, did you get finished with your piece, buddy? Okay, we're going to assume he did. Hey, Daryl, might have some new Flyboys coming yeah. online for Flyboys. Well, that'll 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 be interesting. It always is. <clears throat> I uh, well, the reason I I popped on was uh, Joe was talking earlier about he uh, he made the the comment uh, that they'd incorporated the Bill of Rights into the the fourth. Tenth Amendment and uh, to the states, yeah. Well, uh, I I just want everybody to read read that thing, Fourteenth Amendment, Section One, Clause Two, Clause Two says, "No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities and immunities of citizens." The, there are no, there are no uh, rights in the Fourteenth Amendment, and uh, there's there's no there's no rights there. Those are, they're not called rights. Words matter. They're called privileges yes. and immunities. That's open to and interpretation. What they did. And what they did to proffer the illusion was they gave you the illusion of having uh, access to them. The Second Amendment's the perfect example, I guess, out of all of them. And they total, totally negated several of the other ones. I never knew this until recently, and Devin came up with this, researching to uh, write his book that he wrote for us, his little uh, pamphlet. And uh, I was... Uh, Quite kind of surprised, but I understand it better now. I think so. There is there's a maybe the better way to put it is there's a partial incorporation or a, an illusionary incorporation because they couldn't say that you didn't have any access to it because they plan later to apply it to everybody and they knew people would see it. They're partial civil privileges for the citizens. Well, those—that's like that's like uh, conditional values and situational ethics. Course, you know, you're, of, this of course, is, it is. this is these are semantics. These are, you know, yes, you're I you're dealing understand. with semantics, so they're they're going to use semantics, you know, and uh, of course, I I I see these things. Now, the the other thing, it's just sort of a my my attitude on it is that these these local these local councils and these county governments and these people that you pay your property taxes to, these are local fiefdoms. These are fiefs. They're fiefdoms. And the yep. local, the, they are the landlord. And, yep. and, and that is why they're so uh, ingrained and protective and defenses is they're protecting their own fief. Literally, you think not figuratively. Do you think that judge, literally you think protecting? Yeah. 
You think Sarah's judge that went into recess to question what they were going to do with the bonds, you think maybe his pension might depend on that issue? Well, well, sure. Absolutely. Where where do you think think they get their their $10 million retirement plans off of off of your debt. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you, you have, to, yeah, yeah, so uh, I thought I had another, another point to make on, oh, there's a, there's I've, another status too, uh, yep. Roger, another status. Yeah. Uh, U.S. military personnel is a separate status than all the other ones. Probably true because, yes, go ahead. In, in that, in that, they are 100% absolute chattel property. Chattel property. Can I comment wow. yeah. on that? Yeah. Well, sure. Who's? Uh, go ahead. Female. There. Yep. So actually, that's so true and when I was in the Navy I knew this girl whose dad bought out her contract to get her out she didn't want to be in anymore and he ended up paying like $370,000 and every day that you're enlisted is a price so you can buy yourself out of the title of I can't think of what it's called right now, but he's right, and there's a name to it, and I can't think of what it is. Hmm. Well, well, I don't doubt when that. We were wow. in, when we were in, when we were in uh, basic training, I was in basic training in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, <laughs> towards the end of the Vietnam War, and uh, they they trained us. They would they would say, "Son, what kind of maggot are you?" And you were supposed to respond, I'm an OD maggot. I'm an OD maggot, sir. And OD maggot meant I was an olive drab maggot. Because that's, that's what our uniform was. We were all, we were all slaves on the, on the U.S. plantation. We were all uniform. We were chattel property. And... And we were in service. We were in service. We were servants. And we had a contract. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the feudal system. Yeah. Feudal system. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the pawns, it, one of the pawns in the global <laughs> feudal system. I'm damn sure glad I never yeah. did that. Well, I, I, oh, really? I'm, I'm glad I, I made it through alive, but I'm glad I, I'm yeah. actually... And, and I would, sane, if I had, sane. I don't do forget sane. Don't forget yeah. sane. I wouldn't do it again, but I'm glad I experienced it because uh, uh, for one of, the, one of the reasons when people find out I was in the, the U.S. Army during the Vietnam War and they say, thank you for your service, and I said... Right. I said uh, I was a da- I said I was a damn stupid teenager. It's the stupidest thing I ever did. I'm lucky I survived it alive. I said, "What are you thanking me for?" I I put Amen, it brother. I put it right back on them. You know. I said, "Don't." And I, I or the other one is uh, 
did, did you ever wear the uniform? Well, no, 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 but thank you for your service. I said, well, why didn't you? <laughs> you know, of course, I'm not. I, I'm just, at that point, I get ornery. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, but, I had a... Uh, I had enough sense at that point, at that young age, to know that I wasn't going over there and we didn't have a dog in that fight and there was no reason. I didn't understand anything else, but I knew that that wasn't valid and I wasn't going. So thank God I was able to get out of it. Well, you were about, yeah, I was, I'm about 10 years younger than you, so I was, I was was real stupid. I was right in the crosshairs, man. And see, that was when they had the, some of you are too young to remember this, they had the big TV draft. And it was nationally televised, and they mm. went in and drew out days, yeah. and then they had the list, and yeah. and they drafted up the list. And so, if you got a high number, you were out automatically. I was at one forty eight, I think, and I believe it went to one fifty two or something that year. But I ended up getting out of it anyway. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Travis, did you, these uh, monsters, did you, these damned monsters. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Did Did you get a chance to? Uh, I know you you hit mine ahead of time. Did you get a chance to listen to that? I did. I watched that, it all. Uh, I watched it all last night. Was, it was that very just, good? Was that just packed? Wasn't that just wow. packed full of Zionist history? I did have a question for you on that. Did you order that book by what's his name's granddaughter before the show was over? Yeah. I I did, but look, here's here's the deal. Now that's a, that's good. That's 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 a good that's a good thing to bring up here. Um, the the name of the book is The Witness Tree, and if you go on Amazon, you'll they'll sell it to you or Thrift Books. They want two hundred sixteen dollars for a paperback, four hundred fifty page paperback book. And everywhere you look, it's $216, except I found one place uh, that was uh, <clears throat> on back order, and, and they had it for 1950 Oh, yeah. $19. Good luck getting that. Which, yeah. Why don't you yeah. tell the audience so, what it well, is so what we're what, talking about? Yeah, and well, listen, a, I'll I'll put it. I don't a, know. Are we gonna put up a show today? Hold, hold on, Daryl. Let's sidebar this for a second. If we, I guess we can throw this show up as a replay in a current show today. Paul's recording yeah. it right when it's going out. Right. So uh, I'll tell you what. I've I've got that, and I'll put the link in today's show description uh, for what Daryl's talking about, or you can give it out as a YouTube video. So go ahead, Daryl. A very insightful fifty minutes on the background of all of this stuff and when it started. Yeah. Uh- well, Richard Richard Grove and his uh, affiliate they do weekly. I, I don't I don't know how to really describe Richard Grove. He and uh, he he runs a platform called Tragedy and Hope for you know a lot of years. Deep history books and references, use source documents, and they've they've dug into the the Zionist history and and one of the the books it's uh, it's actually. Uh, a fiction 
it's it's written as a fiction because one one of the reasons is that it it says too much that you couldn't really say as a uh, uh, you, you couldn't write it as a as a document a documentary <laughs> as, as real history because well you'd probably get killed um, and uh, it, it goes over um, what was that relationship uh, Dallas between uh, uh, Dallas and Rockefeller's yeah, the Dulleses and the Rockefellers, and it was it the daughter, a daughter of Dulles, or was it the daughter of? I'm not. There was so much information in there. Anyway, it it in part of the book it explains how it explains how the Israelis blackmailed were, were involved in blackmailing the Rockefellers to uh, get the uh, UM. Uh, pr- proclamation. And, was it 40, yeah, 47, 48? They got the. They vote. got. They leverage. They leverage Rockefeller to get the fifteen Central American countries they controlled at the time to vote on Israeli statehood in the UN, basically. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so that. So that was one book. There was about ten books that were brought up in yeah. that, yeah, in that that video last night, and uh, because we have such we have such wonderful, quick fingered, brilliant people here, the uh, the name of it is um, Zionists take over Palestine, and uh, that's on Richard Grove's YouTube channel. And uh, he has a wonderful what's his channel? I know Merka and some what's his what's his what's his channel? What's his channel? Richard Grove. Okay, just Richard Grove. I'll tell you the one that that I took away from there that was kind of well, I I didn't know this, but the first he he made a point that there's a number of different Rothschild factions. That some of them might act yeah, independently. Yeah. Okay, so you you couldn't necessarily lump all of the Rothschild factions in with what we're, we're going to talk about here, but that the first settlement that the Rothschilds, I believe it was Lionel, one of them, uh, started. No, it had to be before Lionel uh, was in eighteen twenty. And I don't remember the name of the kibbutz. Yeah. They had a name for it. And this is the kibbutz that was hit in the October 7th raid. It was, one, it was the yeah. original kibbutz in Israel that goes back to 1820. Now, Daryl, and I was thinking about that while it was going on and you and remember they didn't, they didn't establish reform Judaism until 1837, 27 or yeah. 37. So it was even before before the whole the whole uh, congregational reform Judaism uh, was put into motion. Well, see the one of the things that this helped connect for me, and I'm going to try to get all the show notes on that presentation because he does a really good job of documenting all of his links. He does. He he does document he he documents things, and uh, 
one of the things that's always been I stumbled across years ago was uh, Lord Palmerston, who mm-hmm. was uh, in charge of British British intelligence after Lord Shelburne, uh, and Palmerston was. Uh, Oh, he was. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't even know how to describe what he did. And you know, he was uh, Palmerston was the linchpin in British operations from 1820s all the way through the uh, Civil War. He, he was the prime minister during the American Civil War, and everything that happened in between, he was a huge player. And Palmerston that was a had land, large land. That- wasn't that the end days when they were controlling India too? So they had a firm control over India over on that side of the world. Well, it was it was the it was at it was the tail end of the British East India Company as a separate company. The British East India Company was folded up in 1858, and then completely folded into the British Empire as an integrated. The British, the Parliament, the Parliament, and the monarchy completely subsumed the supposed corporate British East India Company in 1858, and from that point on, India was still under British control. But that's where the Raj. That was the time from from 1858 up until uh, through Gandhi. That was the Raj, British Raj period. Uh, that's so, when they put up a puppet, a puppet leader. Yeah. They put up a puppet leader yeah. and then yeah. and manipulating yeah. behind the stage. Okay, like right. Argentina. Right. But they they were still they were still doing commerce. Okay, they were still yeah, of course. the British East India Company was it was still there. So, uh, but anyway, Palmerston is just this huge character, and and he was deep into a British, uh, he was deeply in debt in his land holdings in Ireland. He had vast land holdings in Ireland, and he was deeply in debt to the uh, to the uh, Jewish bankers, and it was part of this that contributed to the, um, the, the renter or the gentry, the British gentry, that were in debt to the Jewish bankers that perpetuated the Irish Holocaust, the real Holocaust of the Irish mm-hmm. famine. And Palmerston was, this is, yeah, these these links go everywhere, and uh, that's why history is so interesting. But uh, uh, remember that Darby of the, the Cyrus Schofield Bible, he's, he's an aristocrat that comes out of Ireland. He's Irish. Oh, okay. So, well, yeah, I guess so, Darby. And, he's and that's right in that time. There, and Paul that's was, right in. Yeah. That's right in this time period yeah. in the early 1800s. Yeah. So Palmerston and Darby knew each other. Palmerston is a raging Zionist uh, from the 1820s coming forward, uh, and and so it, sometimes it takes years and books. But then the connections start to come together, and you go, mm-hmm. "Okay, yeah, I get it now. Yep. I get, it. I get the rest of the picture." Well, and yep. so they actually—you know—what's going on? They started this. All yeah. of us, 
all of a sudden you get enough knowledge and you start getting understanding. And that's what the Bible says. Above all, seek understanding. And understanding comes out of the amount of knowledge. And it'll get to a point, and as with me over the years, where your subconscious starts Mm -hmm. giving you answers. And that's understanding. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's happened to almost everybody here at different levels and different times and different stages. It, yep. What what uh, you you know, this is how you'll know, and this is for everybody that's here. You'll know because you'll you'll hear information, and you'll be able to ask questions that those around you can't ask. There you go. Exactly. Ah, and the question now is. Is this going to be like this tomorrow? And if it is, Paul and audience, uh, y'all can either have the first hour and discuss something. Maybe Daryl can come on and give a history lesson or whatever. Maybe go into this subject here. Uh, But we'll work our way through the 10 to 12 power blackout spot here. I have a a sneaking suspicion it's going to happen tomorrow but don't know at this point today anyway. So if so, there's some contingency plans. And, you know, the nice thing for me out of all this, Daryl, is whether I'm here or not, the show hmm. kind of goes on. That's pretty cool, actually. Well, that, that's, called, uh, that's called a legacy. legacy. I didn't even get to answer my question. Roger, I have um, something for you, Daryl and Gary, uh, after the show. All right. Well, Wahib, I hesitate to ask what's your question right as we're going off the air here. Maybe you Not can right now. I was just going to say, uh, he, he, uh, the Shiva has said some other interesting things. I want his, his, his feel, his views on immigration are, I do find that questionable. Who's that? Who are you talking about? Dr. Shiva, his views on immigration. Oh. He believes in giving them giving them a pass to citizenship. That's what he said. Yeah. Well. Hold on. Hold on, Wahid. Uh. All right. We're about to close it out. We'll do something tomorrow. I'll be here at least half the time. Bye.